Now more than ever, it's so important that we foster and develop emotional intelligence. But did you know that needs are closely linked to emotions? And that when we know our needs and the more we fulfill them, the calmer and happier we are? Hashtag 52 Needs is a podcast that provides insights into how we can all make this happen. My name is Angela Heiser. I'm a professional coach and facilitator. And each week a guest joins me to discuss a different human need and how we can all improve and foster our emotional intelligence. Welcome to Hashtag 52 Needs. And this week we are talking about trust. Um, and I'm so delighted to have with me Jill Johnston, um, who is a highly qualified human resources professional with extensive experience in HR and in the media. Over the past 30 years, Jill has honed her ability to operate a coherent and strategic approach to managing people whilst maintaining the skills and willingness to respond to the complete range of HR policies, processes and practices. Jill started her HR journey with the BBC in the UK and as head of people and culture left her mark on Southern Cross Australia, the largest Australian media network. She now inspires people at the iconic Sydney Opera House. Jill is passionate about creating an empowering workplace culture that is built on trust, courage and creativity and that enables people to be their best. Welcome, Jill. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you, Angela. It's good to be here. So let's talk about trust at work. How do you build a culture of trust at work? Little question. Okay. Um, look, uh, as we all know, trust is earned. Um, you don't walk into to a new team and expect to be trusted immediately just because of, of, of your role. Um, having said that, as an HR professional, uh, I think that you um, are expected to be trustworthy in your position. Mm. So It's a big responsibility, um, not quite as responsible as perhaps a doctor or a surgeon, but certainly I think that in, a, in an HR role, you're expected to be trusted. Um, having said that, I still think that um, it's really important to earn that trust. Um, and so it's built over time, mm. I guess. And it's built over time um, through the relationships you build with people. And so demonstrating, I guess, that uh, one thing I always think is, you know, always follow through on what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, builds trust, you know, and there's occasionally where you might overpromise. And I think you have to be careful about that, of overpromising you're going to do something and not finding yeah. the time. Okay. So... So you often sit in the middle, you sit between leadership and you sit between people, you sit between outsiders okay. and, you know, you have to balance that quite carefully. And I can imagine that sometimes you have to work with leaders who haven't earned the trust. And then, yes. it's, and then it's your job to actually make sure that that trust is reestablished. Is that possible? I mean, or let's ask it this way. How difficult is that? Because I can imagine that, you know, it can be challenging to be able to, to manage that. Uh, so are you are you talking about if a member of staff doesn't trust their leader and, and I'm kind yeah. of coming in to, to try and um, build some trust between those two people? Yes. Look, I think I would be, um, I would probably be taking a coaching approach um, with the individual themselves um, to perhaps be open and honest with the manager about how they're feeling and what they need from their manager Um, to start building trust with them. Um, I think that the trust would need to be built between those two people mm -hmm. as a 
bit me kind of triangulating, if you like. So I think I'd probably take a coaching approach um, to each of those individuals and talk to them about the importance of building trust and perhaps tips, if you like, and tools that they can um, access to start building trust um, with either the member of staff or with their manager. Mm-hmm. But when somebody has lost trust completely, they they probably, I mean, my, that's my experience as a coach, they generally leave the organization. Um, have you ever been able to restore trust so that people come back and say, yep, I see that it was a question of perception and maybe it's it's willingness to talk again? Yes, um, yes, I have done that before. And I think I think you're right. You use the word perception. And I think mm. that, you know, people come and they have perception that a manager's lied or a manager's not followed through on an action or, you know, a manager's given them feedback and they've taken it. Um, they've been defensive or offended, if you like. Yeah. So, I ha- yes, I think it can be restored often, but not all of the time. Mm. Um, you can get the other person to perhaps see the other's side of it and perhaps change their perception of what really happened or what was said. Mm. And that it wasn't it's the intention at the end of the day. If that person intended, you know, to give you some constructive feedback and it just came across, um, you know, a bit clumsy and offended you, is to try and to change that person's perception of, of what's happened. Mm. Okay. So um, I was just thinking that sometimes um, sometimes it's really, it's, it's, it's easy to reestablish trust. But we, we are living now in times where people leave their job much more readily. They're the, the sort of the fuse is much shorter is my experience. People go, ah, you know, that didn't work. That's, you know, they're not trustworthy or I will never, whatever the, the, the thought is. And they just leave. Has that changed? Because I mean, people used to stay in jobs much longer than they do these days. Yes, I think it has changed. And I think um, some people leave because they don't trust the organization, mm-hmm. not necessarily an individual. So some, you know, they say, um, people leave a, a manager, um, not an organization. But I think more recently, um, I think I've noticed that people are leaving organizations because they don't trust the organization, if you like. That might be a process or a system, you know, or a culture, if you like, mm. you know, that the organization has that they don't trust anymore and don't want to be in that environment. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that, you know, trust is so important. Um, in terms of building a culture where people feel psychologically safe mm. and come themselves. Yeah. And I think that, that's, you know, that's so key now to staff attraction and staff retention. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting because I just recently heard of a company that, um, that was, that was supposed where somebody was supposed to make 300 people redundant because the board had, de- had decided to fire these people because they weren't going to get their bonus because they were just a small percentage underneath the, the required um, profit. So firing 300 people was the solution. Um, and, and, and is it, I mean, like we live now in times where money seems to be more important or profit seems to be more important than the well-being of people but we talk about culture more than ever yeah um look i think as an hr profession professional i've been in those situations before where not in my current job i have to say but in previous roles um where there has been a decision made 
perhaps by the board or or senior management and the CEO, you know, to 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 cut staff if you like. And I think um, I think the best thing you can do as an HR professional or as, or as a leader generally um, is to um, to try and work out um, what's the fairest mm. what's the fairest way of treating people. If there's been a decision to cut staff because of you know revenue um, impacts or loss of revenue, um, and you you have to implement that if you like. I think it's about how can you do that where um, you're being as open and honest, you're acting with integrity and fairness of how those people are treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, well, I would totally agree with you, but I've, I hear a lot about cases where people leave companies because money comes or profit comes before the well-being of people. Because there's an expectation, especially when people are working from home now, that they just keep going And people expect that of themselves to make sure that they prove their value. And so it's it's become much more task-oriented rather than culture building, especially with working from home. So building a culture of trust, I think, has become much more difficult these days than it possibly would have been 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I don't know. I'm just I'm just considering that the conversations that I've had recently are all about lack of trust. I don't know what's happening. And that's And there's maybe there's a differentiation also between trust and faith. You know, like, can I have faith that this will continue? Um, yeah. Well, I think I think I see that as short-termism. You know, mm-hmm. if you know, if organizations are just looking at their profits for that particular financial year, yes, um, very short-termism. And so, if they need to come in and meet budget at the end of the financial year, and if that means that they'd have to cut 50 staff. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's a kind of short-term kind of strategy, if you like. Um, I agree with you. I think there are organizations that are operating like that. Um, however, um, fortunately, in my own organization, it's not. Um, but I think it's, I don't think it's sustainable. No. I don't think that model is very sustainable, that if all you're doing is, is working from one financial year to the other, um, as opposed to looking forward in terms of what are we building here as a business mm. and how to build this business and it continue to be successful and sustainable, then, you know, how do we, how do we build a culture yeah. um, where, you know, we are, we are attracting and retaining talented people because there's only the people They're going to make the company successful, right? It's, yeah. you know, yeah. technology. It's the people who are going to make the organization successful. So if you want the best people and you want the talented people, you've got to look beyond just the financial year and whether you're coming in on budget or not. So, yes, I agree it's happening. I think what we'll find, though, is it's not sustainable as an organization to keep churning over people just to make a profit. Yeah, well, do we need to change the system then? Because it seems to be the norm more than ever. Well, um, I, uh, yeah, potentially, yeah. Um, I, I think I think we need to be. Um, I think we need to focus on um, you know how are we going to attract and retain talented people now and into the future, because you know. Um, we're talking about, you know, 
people perhaps coming out of school or university or apprenticeships or just somebody changing changing jobs because they're not satisfied with their with their current organization what are the things that are going to attract those people and retain mm. those people yes and so that's all about you know that's all about the whole workplace of the future it's about the employee experience so i think it's about getting getting leaders organizations focused on um for us to continue to be successful, what culture do we need to create to make sure the good people want to come here? Yes. People want to stay here. Yeah. So, I mean, as we're talking, I'm beginning to realize that I'm, I'm emphasizing that for, for organizations, money is at the forefront often um, because, you know, competition is sharper. There's all sorts of reasons for wanting to make more money. But again, at the same time, they may not be that focused on people, but the people who are working for organizations are the ones who want to have personal development. They want to, they want to, we've talked about this many times, they want to live their purpose, they want to live their best life, they want to have experiences, and especially the younger generation, yes, they like earning good money, but if they're, if they're feeling fulfilled at their, in their workplace, they are willing to put up with less money. So we're starting to create a polarity here between organizations who are short-term thinking it's all about profit and then people who are short-term thinking about we really need to, we want fulfillment here, but we're not getting that. So what kind of culture are we creating? Um, look, I think, I think the culture... To, that we need to create will, to a certain extent, be driven by the people mm. in terms of, you know, what sort of culture they they want to work in and yeah. stay. I think that, you know, the people will will vote with their feet, you know, if, if they're not in a culture that, um, as I said before, they feel psychologically safe or a culture that um, really sort of supports their values, if you like. Mm. around it might be things like environmental sustainability for example you know um you know this year um the two things that have stood out from the last year is covid and diversity inclusion and belonging yeah so you know putting covid aside because you know we're all dealing with that and we don't know how long we're going to be dealing with that for um i think the other um the other topic that's come to the fore really with black lives matter and me too and, and is diversity inclusion and belonging and i think if people don't feel that you know um in the culture in which they're working in they won't um and so i look you know i think um the people will tell us what will be driving what culture they want to to work in and to stay in and what culture is important for them to thrive. Is that the reason perhaps why we have so many startups these days where people are going, I'm creating my own culture? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's about listening to your people, isn't it? At the end mm -hmm. of the day, what are people yeah. telling they want? And this is, I mean, again, we've had this conversation many times. Um, if we don't, if we don't, allow well, allowing is not the right word. If we don't, if we don't encourage people to speak up, if we're not overcoming that that um that gap between hierarchical thinking and um you know being being part of a team in that way that we work together so that we and let me start again where a leader actually encourages somebody to speak up instead of going not my way or the highway and and encouraging that trust to say you know i have an opinion 
you, we may not agree, but we can always work out and see if it at least have the conversation about it. But a lot of the time, there is there's still this hierarchical thinking of parent-child where the, the leader is seen as the person who makes the decision and the follower is supposed to just execute what the leader has decided. And that's not the kind of trust that builds an organization where people contribute and go, yeah, I want to be here. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think that the whole um, diversity, including belonging piece is driving that at the moment. Um, and I think we've, we've got a long way to go in terms of how hierarchies work and that, you know, I'm, I'm the manager, I tell you what to do. Um, Ordinate, perhaps, you know, not feeling um, they're, in, they're working in the right environment or there isn't the trust there to speak up and say, well, actually, I'd like to talk about um, and um, I think we've got a long way to go, but I feel the journey has started and will continue um, because I keep coming back to you've got to listen to your people. And if you're not creating an environment, you know, of trust or psychological safety, then, you know, those people won't stay. Of course, there's always the other side of it, which is which um, it is around, you know, the risk to the organization as well. You know, there's a lot more risk now. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. the risk of losing good people, not having successors, successors for senior roles, um, but also, also the risk of, you know, um, perhaps, um, perhaps um, you know, some claims, if you like, you know, um, of people putting in workers' comp claims for, you know, not, not feeling psychologically safe, the organisation yeah. not dealing with perhaps, um, you know, um, a matter that's been raised that, that they should have dealt with a, a bit more effectively and constructively. Um, and so, you know, whilst I don't, I don't kind of really operate like that in terms of I've got to really kind of consider all the risks here, operate from a, you know, how can we get the best out of each other at work? You know, how can we get the best out of ourselves and each other at work is where I operate from. Mm -hmm. However, you know, um, I think organisations do have to now think about also the risk of not building a culture where people feel psychologically safe. Um, and I think that, you know, um, uh, you know, mental health now, people are being more open about their mental health, people are being more open about what they need at work for support yeah. um, of mental health conditions. And I've seen a huge change in that in just in this last year around actually saying I need this I'm not feeling good yeah. you know um, I need some support as, as always we're always work in progress and culture in progress thank you so much Jill for your wisdom and for your insight and um, it's an honor to see you and I'll see you next week thanks Angela you've been listening to hashtag 52 needs with me Angela Heise these podcasts are not created to provide answers but to invite you to explore your own needs and discover what works for you. Find out more about my coaching and emotional intelligence programs by following Into Possibilities on Instagram at AngelaHeise.com and at my YouTube channel. And I'd love it if you shared this podcast with your friends, work colleagues and family. And I'll see you next time.